it didn't take long. After a while, we were attacked wow. by militiamen wow. who came and decided. Actually, they were saying they were checking ID card, yeah. your identification to know who you are. And so when they found it's like a passport, but the ENK is your ethnic belonging. Yeah. So I was found, and they decided to kill me. They stabbed me twice. Right. But they couldn't. Yeah. The the knife didn't do anything. Welcome to the Adventure Podcast, a platform designed to inspire young mission-minded entrepreneurs to start businesses and ministries of their own. Throughout these episodes, we will be hearing the stories of Adventist professionals and leaders who have thrived in their spheres by putting God first. Welcome to this latest episode of Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Flannery Valdez. Today, our guest is Dr. Fedidas. I'm going to try your last name. Diyamu um, Mumkabe. Okay. Okay. You tried. I tried it. <laughs> uh, Dr. Fedidas is a professor at Weimar College in the Religion Department. Uh, he's well known because of his book, Preaching from the Grave, where he recounts his amazing testimony of surviving the Rwandan genocide. He's also been involved in several other incredible ministries like uh, microcredit banking system, which has helped many in Africa start their businesses with just a small loan. So, Dr. Fedidas, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Really appreciate having you here. I've, I've definitely been uh, excited to have you come. Your book was an amazing inspiration to me. So maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, your life and uh, you know how you became Adventist, how you became converted. Well, my conversion is, is a little bit uh, different from most people's conversion hmm. because I was born in, as an Adventist. But being born in, uh, as an Adventist doesn't mean you are, you are one. So a time came when actually I found my own uh, faith. I came to know Jesus personally, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. course, through preaching, because mm -hmm. I, I was attending the Seventh-day Adventist Church worship services. And uh, uh, while I was quite young, I was still in elementary school. And yeah. uh, I, I remember actually because I was studying in a, in a non-Adventist school, I decided not to study on Sabbath. It wasn't easy, <laughs> and uh, I I abandoned the school for a while, and then, you know, my parents asked me to go back to school again, and uh, <laughs> a time came when I joined also a Roman Catholic school in high school, and I, had, I was in trouble hmm, uh, really? because of the Sabbath. But the Lord saw me through. Okay. I finally joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, uh, school in in Congo, in a neighboring country to Rwanda, uh -huh. and that's where I, I ended, finished my high school studies. And from that time on, I am in Seventh-day Adventist institutions. Okay, wow. Wow. So uh, what, what year are we talking about, um, approximately when you're in, in the Congo in high school? Well, that's about uh, uh, 1986, okay. 19... 89, 1990, something like that. Okay, so about um, four mm. to eight years mm. before mm. the mm. things that happened in Rwanda happened, right? Because that that's happened true. in 1994. Mm, that's correct. That's correct. So um, where were you around 1994? Were you involved in ministry at that time as well? Yes. Yeah. Uh, from Congo, I actually went back to Kigali, uh -huh. uh, which is the capital, capital city of, Kiga of Rwanda. Uh -huh. And I became a church elder, one of the biggest churches in, in Kigali, about 5,000 church members. Oh, wow. 
And I was one of the elders and I was preaching. I was a lay preacher. I was, yeah, moving across the country. Huh. And uh, in fact, I planted a church. Oh, really? Yeah, I planted a church. It wasn't really a church planting as such because it was very easy. Uh, it was in an Adventist uh, high school. No, no, a private high school. And the principal was actually Adventist. Oh, okay. And uh, he allowed us to, to start a worship service. Mm. And, and from there, we started the church. And the church is still there even really? today. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. fascinating. So I think one thing that people probably that haven't been to Rwanda, um, maybe haven't been to Africa, don't understand is that um, in Africa, Christianity is actually the main religion in Rwanda, right? And there's a lot of Adventists. Correct. Think, right? One out of 10 is an Adventist in, in Rwanda. Yeah, so Probably a, more than one out of 10 right now. Really? I, I think most people heard of what happened recently when there was a baptism of about 100,000 within wow. two weeks. Wow. Of course, after a long time, preparation. Yeah. Ground yeah. preparation. Oh, okay. Mm. Huh. So there, there, there is, the Adventist Church is quite well known there. It is. In, it in is. Rwanda. It is the second largest denomination after the really? Roman Catholic Church. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So that must actually, the, the Adventist Church must kind of uh, infiltrate a lot of the levels of society, like even upper, exactly. like politicians. Even among the, the, the government ministers and uh, huh. members of parliament. The, really? We have Adventists. Huh. We have them everywhere. They're represented everywhere. Wow. That's mm. totally different from over mm. here, where it? you rarely see a politician that's... Uh, that is an Adventist. Yeah, you rarely see a Protestant politician. Uh, most of them, I don't know, you don't even really know about their religion at all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's totally different. And and then here in the United States, you there's not that many Adventists to begin with. So mm. uh, it's quite different. The good thing is actually we, we have the stories of faithfulness among mm -hmm. most of uh, the... The Seventh Day Adventist members in the government, in the politics, hmm. uh, people who actually, when, uh, uh, for instance, the president calls for a meeting on Friday evening, and uh, uh, <laughs> <say no>. some <laughs> of the, the government, I mean, they, they will leave. <laughs> <laughs> when the Sabbath starts, they say, they, you know, pack, pack and then leave and say, where are you going? <laughs> Imagine if the president is right. Yeah, yeah. And they leave, they say, no, the Sabbath has started. Yeah. <laughs> one, one guy who was uh, one of the, the members of the government, actually, he was uh, the president, said, well, maybe your right place is becoming uh, an ambassador in, in Israel because that's where they keep the Sabbath. <laughs> and he sent him there. <laughs> really? And even there, there are actually testimonies because they served a drink, uh, oh, you know, yeah. strong kind of like alcohol. Yeah. And he said, no, I don't drink. They say, why? See, I'm an Adventist. <laughs> wow. Hey, well, that's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Mm -hmm. So uh, from what I remember of your book, and maybe it may correct me if I'm wrong, but um, around 1994, you were in Congo. Was that right? And then you came back to visit Rwanda, or were you in Rwanda at it the time? It was in 1990 that I left Congo, actually. Okay, so you were in Rwanda at the I, time. I went in Rwanda. Uh, then I went back to Congo. Then in 1992, I went to Rwanda. Uh -huh. And that the war was going on, but it wasn't a genocide yet. It okay. was the war opposing the the government uh, soldiers and and a rebel group that was attacking the country from outside. Yeah. And then finally, two years later, the, the genocide started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So do you think you could um, talk about that experience? Because most people would be interested to know what happened. It's such an amazing story. Well, 
it's an interesting story uh, a long, a one, long one indeed yeah uh, the thing is uh, i was an elder as i told you and i was you know when there is such the things that were actually showing that something terrible was going to happen because killings could happen in one area of the country and and uh, organized gangs the mm. government actually organized gangs mm. and political parties had people young men whom they trained and they 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 armed them mm. and and we could see all that and it was yeah. a terrible situation but uh, of course in 1994 that's when the whole uh, the genocide erupted mm. and they started killing people Now as an elder I I was supposed to go to church one Sabbath but there was no way as I woke up I said they were saying no you stay where you are you're not even allowed to go out of the house but that was a way to come and find you in the house and kill you wow. and uh, so wow. but I decided to teach actually okay. I said no even though I'm not going to go to church but there are people out there around me who probably are scared and yeah. we need to pray Yeah. And we invited the neighbors to come and pray, but uh, it didn't take long. After a while, we were attacked wow. by militiamen who wow. came and decided actually they were say they were checking ID card, yeah. your identification to know who you are. And so when they found it's like a passport, the ENK to your ethnic belonging. Yeah. So I was found and they decided to kill me but they couldn't because <laughs> God was there. I had prayed and I had trusted that God was going to work out a miracle and so I prayed. Right. And uh, well, to make the long story short, it's a whole book as you say. Yeah, yeah. They stabbed me twice. Right. But they couldn't. Yeah. They, they they knife didn't do anything. Yeah, and I remember one time you were even in your book talking about you were hit on the head with like a Correct. axe or something. Twice actually that, that that's was the, the knife. Yeah, yeah, twice in the head. And, uh, and uh, later on, I checked. There was no wound. <laughs> I was fine. I mean, yeah. you don't check immediately when they hit you, yeah. because it's more serious than that. Uh-huh. Because they are, they are, they are to kill you. It's not just stabbing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so you know, your your end has come. It's, you act as if nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, then finally, they left. They, they locked me inside. So many attempts to kill me. Yeah. Lie among the dead. We we're gonna come and kill you. There are so many people who are there. You go and lie there, and I go beside the dead. But they come and I pray, and they are stopped. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, and then I dug my grave, but still. And you're preaching to the people. Yeah, and then I preach to the killers after digging my grave. <laughs> you know, God makes a way for me to preach. That was uh, not an easy initiative. It was not not even difficult one because I didn't plan. Mm-hmm. I was only, you, you know, God will inspire you on what to do. Yeah because uh, I felt like I had to do something. When I saw that this killer, there were signs that they didn't know what the Bible said. <clears throat> and I said, well, maybe I have played a role in what they are doing because I did not preach to them before. <laughs> so they did not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I should have told them about Jesus. Of course, not just me, but even other fellow Adventists or fellow Christians. Yeah. And so I said, Lord please don't allow me to go because I expected God to give me wings to fly. <laughs> I said don't allow me to go until I have told them about who you are. And then of course the opportunity was given me and I preached and killers turned into an audience, interested audience, and they listened to what I was saying and they repented and they decided to hide me. 
Huh. Not really repented because they were killing others anyway. <laughs> but they went to hide and they said, we can't yeah. kill such a person. Huh. And they hid me in their house and they gave me food. Yeah. Wow. It's a long story. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember, I remember that. Mm. That's, that's fascinating. So do you have, um, I don't know, people must ask you this, but uh, a lot of Adventists are talking about end times now because it seems like it seems like we're close to the end. Uh, and it, it's almost like you've sort of had a trial run or like been through that. Do you have any advice for Adventists these days? Is there like a verse you keep coming back to? Or y- Yes, I do. Actually, I do. When I look at what happened in Rwanda, that was the end time. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of the world, our world. Right. And it was a time when Christians were tried and, yeah. and, and ma- unfortunately most of them were found wanting. Mm. They weren't ready mm-hmm. because a time came when they said no this is a time when we have tutis to kill and Hutus have to participate. Right. And now you are Adventist. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> if they are saying you have to kill to participate in the killing. It'd be awful. Because they don't know. They say no we are all Christians. You know they were Catholics. They were Actually, 95 of them were Christians in yeah. Rwanda. And so they say, no, all of us are Christians, but this is a time to defend our ethnic belonging. These Tutsis are our enemies. We got to kill them. And you have to help us. It's a battle. It's a war. Yeah. And uh, as an Adventist, you would say, no, we don't kill. They say, no, we don't kill either. But these are our enemies. Even in the Old Testament times, God used to deliver a people into the hands of another people. Yeah. To punish them. Right, right. And so God has delivered these people unto us. You got to kill. It was a serious thing. Yeah. And some people were killed, actually. Yeah. And when you see your neighbor being killed because he doesn't want to participate, how do you behave? <laughs> well, you better behave because the next... <laughs> yeah, de- next. It's you, actually. Yeah. And, 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 and some people gave up their faith. And these events happened all s- quite suddenly from when I r- remember... The president's plane was shot down, and that kind of catalyzed the whole thing. It's not a long time ago. It's actually 20, right now, yeah. maybe 20... Six years? Yeah, 26 years 25, ago. 26 years, 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. That's not a long time. It's still fresh. Yeah. Still yeah. fresh, yeah. And it, and it just, like, the rapidity of it probably would surprise you. Like, one... I mean, there were some things going on in Rwanda before, but there's stuff going on in the United States now. It's just yeah. like, all of a sudden, it just happened. Mm. Uh, this one event sort of started it. Very true, and that's the piece of advice I would actually like to give to to Christians. Because initially we all looked like we were the same. Mm. We went to the same church and and we worshipped the same God and we sang in the same choirs and 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 preached and uh, and we were all pastors or church members. And but when this happened, that's when we saw the difference. Some of them were not actually Adventists, even though they thought they were, and and initially they claimed to be. But out of fear, they just, they were terrified and there was no other way but to give up their faith and join the army wow. of, 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 of killers. Wow. And so what, what, what I actually I would advise to, to people if we are preparing for the second coming of Jesus, and we know that prior to his coming, there are going to be events like what happened in Rwanda, yeah. maybe even worse because it's going to be world. Well, I won't say it's worse. It, it will be, of course, worldwide. But in Rwanda, it was terrible as well. Because <laughs> yeah. there was no place to hide. Right. Literally, no place to hide. And uh, uh, the best ways to prepare is actually right 
now. Because when you think you will just be faithful and yet you are not prepared now, you will not be able to. Those events will just reveal who you are, if you are prepared enough or if you are not prepared enough. So, and I, I, I always encourage people to seek a deep relationship, strong relationship with Jesus. Love, not, not just conviction about the doctrines and, 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 and the prophecies, but do I really love Jesus? Am I ready to die for him as, as to a friend, for a friend? Am I really ready that... Uh, I can forsake everything because there are things to be forsaken even now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, not so much because you just, you can forsake a job, but you will get another one. You can refuse to work on Sabbath somewhere for a big salary, but you get a, yeah. a lower salary. But there are always minor sacrifices that can actually, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I encourage people to, to check and how do we get prepared? Study the Word of God. You know, there's no magic formula. It's just studying the Word of God. Now again, when I say studying the Word of God, sometimes we study that Word. But it doesn't, it doesn't look like we are really studying. Hmm. I mean, we don't take time. We, we need to be deep in the Word. Hmm. And that will involve time. Yeah. It is not like, yeah, yeah, I study my Bible. Every morning I spend 10 minutes. Every evening about 20 minutes. No, that's, it doesn't work that way. It takes time to develop a relationship. Mm. You, you can say you have a girlfriend and, and I will just meet you 10 minutes every day, okay? <laughs> and then say, okay, yeah, then uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes if you are in love, you even forget, you don't even have a notion of time. That's you have right. no idea what time is it, right? That's and right. that's <laughs> what I'm talking about when it comes to the relationship with Jesus. Prayer, whereby you pray and you actually seem to forget that uh, uh, there is something around you, or the, even the environment, the environmental reality. You don't know you are in such a small room or a big room or or there is somebody close to you, or prayer, that's individual prayer. Mm. We need to develop that relationship wow. whereby we, we really love Jesus because that's actually what religion is all about. It's about love. It's not about intellectual conviction. It's about conversion. You, you have to be converted. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's good advice. Thank you so much. Wema offers two tracks healthcare administration and organizational management, which are led by experienced professors and successful business leaders. If you long to bridge the gap between business and mission, go to www.wema.edu for more information. So past the genocide now, um, you've been involved in something called microcredit. Can you explain a little bit about what microcredit is? Yeah, uh, everything was born out of uh, the uh, the passion to serve God. I wasn't a businessman, and I didn't intend to do any business initially. I was intending to be a pastor, to preach the gospel. In, in, in fact, I was preaching. And I was uh, as I was conducting one evangelistic campaign in one uh, place, I had mobilized young people, hundred, uh, probably not hundreds, maybe 20 or 30 young people. And uh, we were staying, we were camping. Mm -hmm. 
staying in a place where the evangelistic series were taking place. And one of the evenings, I actually approached them and, and, and wanted to know their lives, what they are doing out there in life. Because it's not easy for somebody to sacrifice two weeks or a week and, and stay somewhere just doing evangelism. And these are more than 20 young people. And guess what? I realized that most of them didn't have jobs, at least good jobs they liked. And I thought, I say, well, wow, that's, that's bad. What if we could actually create jobs? Yeah. For, for young people and, yeah. and 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 those of them who had jobs they they were telling me say you know what we we asked our boss to uh get, to let us go for evangelism and they refused and we had to resign hmm. so wow that's interesting so you have to resign for you to go for evangelism <laughs> for a missionary trip right yeah. and i said well we, what if we would create our own jobs and and rest on sabbath and and then you know, let no one is going to ask us to resign because we are going out for a missionary trip. Or, and and so uh, I actually decided to start something. Okay. It took about four years. Okay. The incubation of 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 the idea, and I was writing down all kinds of ideas that came to my mind, and I shared with people repeatedly about my excitement about what to do, how to start livelihood projects hmm. uh, uh, for among our young people in Rwanda. Hmm. And uh, uh, then after four years, of course, it didn't have to take four years, but I was involved. I was <coughs> studying. I was doing my master's and my PhD. And so when I went back home after I had all those, the list. Now, some of the projects were too big to, to be feasible. At least I, I, it was later on that I really, oh man, this is not possible. I, 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 it's not me to do this. It's too much. But when you are excited about something, sometimes you think of the impossible. That's a dream, right? And so I had those big dreams, but the whole list, because remember, I'm thinking about not only one person, not only me, but young people. So many of them. So I say, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And then when I shared the idea among our church members, some of the elders uh, in Kigali, uh, they were about maybe initially one. I, I went to one person. I talked to him who is an opinion leader. I went to a second. And then later on, I gathered like 10, 15, 20. And the time came when I actually gathered like 200 plus. Wow to start that cooperative society that uh, uh, kind of, uh, it's a ministry, but it's actually a business. Huh. And it's, it's for profit, but uh, with the aim to preach the gospel. Wow. And so uh, they advise that they say, well, now that we have a lot of projects out there, we can't be able to finance those projects if we don't have money. So why don't we start actually micro lending? Yeah. So that people who will be wanting to start business, they will actually be coming to us. I say, wow, okay. <laughs> so we started a microfinance institution. Wow. And guess what? This microfinance institution it wasn't easy because uh, it was a time when micro microfinance institutions were mushrooming. They were coming up in Rwanda. So many, and so many of them were losing money. Hmm. And when we started, it was by faith, and we prayed. I became the chairperson, the president of, of that. Well, I didn't intend to become the president, but my people actually, you see, there's always somebody who leads the, you know, who takes the lead. And, and so they say, no, if you don't share this, we will not join. Because they trusted me. They said, no, you better lead this, right. we will join. 
if you don't, we're not going to join. Okay. <laughs> and so I became the chair, the person. Wow. And there was a committee of seven people. Uh-huh. And uh, these were elderly, elder people, uh, at the church elders. And uh, because that was the condition, you had to be in the church and, and have the same vision as we do because part of the income we were going to use it for, for to spread the gospel. Oh. And so uh, we started, you can't, I mean, you can't believe that. It was very little. But that taught me lessons, how actually people, a business can grow big, even if you start just small. Because huh. we started uh, uh, about, uh, uh, it was like 16,000 US dollars. Okay. Imagine, 16,000 yeah. US dollars and you are studying a microfinance institution. What kind of business are you going? Of course, that's a third world country where things are a little cheaper uh-huh. than here, but, but you still need money anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we rent an office, a very small office, and uh, I remember actually we, we had a printer, we had a manager, and we put the, the memorandum of understanding signed them and we had it registered from the government the, the central bank because it's financial it's money uh-huh. and uh, and we, we had all the regulations the internal uh, uh, rules and regulations the, the procedures manuals and uh, all those things and, and and I learned a lot because I had to develop most of them Wow <laughs> and uh, yeah at least to chair the, the the meetings to decide which one we didn't even have money to hire specialists to develop those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So most of the cases I had to deal with those things. And oh, you did? Yeah. And I was a professor. I was teaching at the Adventist University of Central Africa. Uh-huh. So so I was quite busy. But in the evenings, I would actually sacrifice oh, quite uh, yeah. uh, some time. So you would review applicants for loans? That was, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> From that time on, we started actually giving loans and and and, and receiving uh, deposits and people were depositing their money on their accounts they opened up accounts really? and wow it was uh, that's man, awesome uh, uh, in a little while actually we we had a lot of money from people huh. a- and the central bank said no wait you don't have your own money <laughs> and you are taking people's money we we can do that you need to have your own investment, your big capital, so that because uh, there is a ratio. Right, they usually sense. tell you that uh, you you cannot take more than eighty percent of of your total assets. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that that was the limitation because you you, you are limited in in, in your much? own assets, right? Yeah. yeah. In your equity, and 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 yet you have to huh. to take people's money. So we they said you need to to get together and and increase your your capital. Yeah. Were you able to do that? So we did. Actually, yeah. we got together again. We said, no, why don't we uh, invest a little more? And this time we raised our uh, our investment up to, let's see, that's about 600,000. Oh, good. Yeah. six. The, the pledges were like 1.5 million US dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This time it was quite big, a yeah. little big, right? Yes. but they didn't all actually give the the pledges. So we had like 600, around 600,000, which was quite quite okay because people would come and if you have a 2,000 US dollars, if you have 1,000, if you have a hundred. So, and then again, we grew up and we had a lot. Again, the central bank came in and said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. 
This is a lot. You are collecting a lot of people's money. You need your own money as well. <laughs> it was a challenge. It was a yeah. challenge because we didn't have, we didn't need any investor who was not an Adventist. Mm. We needed only Adventist. And by the way, the problem is still there because as we grew, as we right now, it's still there. I was the president for about 10 years and uh, it grew up to up to about five million US dollars. Okay. Right now, it's a pro probably around seven million US dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So is that five million of your guys' invested money and then it could be like no, eight no, times no. that? No, no, no. It's total, total asset. Total, total, total asset. asset. And okay. the problem we have right now, actually, we still need investors, people who can. Oh. And we have a lot of clients and, and, and the risk. No risk, actually, because people pay hmm. and the management has grown stronger. Initially, we didn't know what we were doing exactly. Now we have hired professionals. We everything is is, is is going on well. Good. Online banking and awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how yeah. that grew. Can you give an example of uh, like a success story of someone that got a loan and uh, started a business, for example, in Rwanda? Mm. The, you know, uh, uh, that thing that that's actually what encouraged me when I saw people borrowing from like you know, 5,000 US dollars mm -hmm. and then growing up, you know, keeping paying his doing business, right? Because yeah. right now we have about 30,000 borrowers. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. 30,000 borrowers. That's a lot. <laughs> and of course, some of them, you know, their business is very short, you know, selling vegetables. Yeah groceries you know it's not a big thing right yeah but but they, it makes they make a living and these are adventists and of course non-adventists okay. can come and borrow as well uh -huh. they are not shareholders but they can come and borrow yeah and anyone when you are an adventist and you are faithful you know i can go there i can borrow money <laughs> and by the way we were thinking of preparing ourselves for the persecution as well and and the time of trouble that is ahead of us, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that Adventists will have a refuge. In fact, the the microfinance is called Goshen. Goshen, okay. Goshen, Goshen. you know the place in Egypt yeah. where the children of Israel went for there was hunger in the world and they they were sheltered there. Yeah. And God protected them mm. even when there were plagues in Egypt. Yeah. You couldn't reach Goshen, and so that's uh, that's that that's what what actually. We, we had in mind that we need a place on earth where God's people can be found. And if you reach there, you are sheltered. All right. Nice. And we, we, our logo is like we come into the world, we transform the world, and then we leave the world. We're not supposed to stay there. Yeah. We are moving on. <laughs> That's what we have. So you're going to leave Egypt. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the, I saw people growing from almost zero income, actually. Hmm and growing, starting business. And, and right now, some of them outgrow uh, grow, uh, us. Really? They outgrew us because they were too many. I mean, they, they had a lot of money that <laughs> now they are saying, no, we need to borrow more money. But we didn't have that money. <laughs> because and, and so they went to big banks, right? To commercial banks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, some of them need to, to borrow a lot of yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah but so that business. was good still yeah but they still come and work with us and and give us some deposits and uh, huh. and, and that's that's a good thing we have about uh, 64 to 70 uh workers 
right okay. now. So we created jobs as well. But yeah. not only that, we created other businesses that were not very successful, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really, really successful. And many people are excited about this. They built houses. They bought houses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. they got involved in farming activities. And What's it the, was uh, really good. Do you know the average size of, of a loan? Right now? Yeah. What What's the average amount that people take yeah. out there? It's, it's actually like 50,000. 50,000? Yeah, 50,000. 50,000 yes. that people will borrow? Yeah, one okay. person. One, one person can 50, borrow. But 50,000 in your currency, is that No, right? in this currency. In oh, 50,000 US dollars. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, but, but we have more money. The only problem is that there are regulations by, by the central bank because... So if you are like a family, it's actually allowed that the husband can borrow 50000 and the wife can borrow 50000 and you have 100000 That's a house. Oh. You can purchase a house even in the U.S. in, in some places, right? Okay. Yeah, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's quite big. Okay. Mm. Interesting. But most people don't need that to, to make a business in Africa, in, in Rwanda especially. Okay. So yeah. a lot of times it's less. A lot of times it's less. Most people borrow less just to start business or to sustain their livelihood projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And as the um, and the payback rate, I guess, is pretty good, you were saying? Very good indeed. In fact, the, the non-performance rate is, is, is probably maybe 2, I think it's 2%. And that's a miracle in Africa. That is a lot. 2% yeah, because, that's the, very the, low. because the rate for, for the central bank is, is like 5. And when oh. you are between 5 and 10, you are okay. Okay. You have no problem, non-performance rate. So but for us, it's actually way low. It's maybe 2% between 2 and 3. Awesome. Yeah. And um, how has the other things gone with, like, the original mission was to use the profits to start some missions? Has that also been? We do be, we do mission as well. We, we actually help some churches. We help some uh, uh, individual ministries. Uh, we, we take some income on a yearly basis. We, we, we sponsor some people uh, and we help orphanages or, or mm-hmm. orphans and widows. Yeah, we, we do that. The challenges is that I want it much bigger than that. But but definitely we, we are involved in ministry. We support church organization, church church buildings when they are building like church and they, they want our help. We do that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm saying we do that, but right now I'm not involved in in, in administration. Yeah. Even yeah. though I, I am the founding member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Hi, friends. I'm Pastor Doug Batchelor, and I'm very excited to tell you about a new MA Biblical Mission and Wellness program being offered by Weimar University in the fall of 2021. They've put together a fantastic master's program focused on church planting and revitalization. This is a program that I strongly endorse. In fact, I'll be one of the presenters with lectures that focus on evangelism and soul winning. So won't you please join me in taking up God's call for church revitalization and church planting. I was wondering if you could, uh, with your experience, talk about some of the mistakes you may have made Mm. along the way and that potential people who are starting their business could avoid or learn well, from? Well, uh, the, the mistakes I actually made uh, and they were technical. Mm. Out of ignorance, you know, when you're starting something, you've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you are starting 
and uh, I was quite courageous and, and I dared to, to, to venture, which was good. But in the process, you will also make mistakes. We didn't just start that business. Uh, one mistake I made is that I thought things were easy and I was going to do more. And I started other projects. Uh, being Adventist and, and trying to promote the Adventist beliefs, we started a kind of a food industry as well. Uh, and, and this failed. We mm. started like bread. We, we were making our own bread, whole wheat bread. And uh, unfortunately, we, we didn't do well. But it wasn't really because of my mistake, but it was uh, uh, the food industry in Rwanda. Mm. Uh, the people are not looking for quality. Oh, okay. <laughs> they are looking for quantity because of the, the status of the so people. It's not like a taste they don't well. have money, so they don't. They are not very much interested in the, in yeah. you know a whole a good bread will actually be expensive. Right, right. And, yeah. and people are not ready to buy that. It's not like so a whole food I struggled market, yeah. because I don't want to give up easily. I, I I fought and I pushed and I did my best, uh -huh. and and I trained and I called people and I you know I changed the leadership because it was a. A company separate, right? Yeah. And and I changed the managers, and but it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, now the business plan would actually show that it's it's okay. We had a very good business plan, but you know uh, maybe that's a lesson I learned. Huh. Yeah. It's not just... enough to just have a good business plan, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, uh, and by the way, sometimes some of the business plans are just numbers. We, yeah. we have to be very very careful. When it comes, because when we come from school, we think if I have a good business plan and I put it there, but uh, there are always things that are not predicted. Now, you as a business person, you have done business. I didn't do business, but uh, uh, you, you don't just rely on someone who just came from school. Mm -hmm. You probably need to look at to experienced people, yeah, people with experience, and 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 interview as many as possible. Even though some of them will not probably tell you the truth, but if you can have reliable, the research uh, based most on yeah, not not on your own understanding, hmm. because uh, uh, we we tend to put pi fi pi I mean figures into the computer and say, oh look. <laughs> This Works. is the net profit. <laughs> and they uh, say, oh, five years, going to be hundreds of millions. That that doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. All yeah, right? Yeah. So so we d we had a good business. And actually, I hired, there were two people who worked on business plan, and each one of them worked on it yeah. separately. Uh -huh. So that would compare. Yeah. And yeah. Either way, actually, I could see profitability in the business plan. <laughs> and, and we dared to, to venture, but it didn't turn out. Now, again, the tricky thing they, they was that they, they had money. They could buy the loaf if they want. But the mindset of the people, huh. which is very hard, you know, to evaluate and, and study when you are doing your market yeah. <laughs> study, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, because the market study was like, oh, there's no whole wheat bread in, the, in, the, in this place. <laughs> And it is the healthiest, but what about the people, the education of the people? Uh, yeah, that's It's funny. like you are visiting a, a rural area and you find in Africa somewhere or in India and you find a group of people who don't have shoes and then <laughs> the next morning you are planting a, a, a shoe company <laughs> because there's no shoes. No one is wearing shoes, but that's wrong because it's not, even though they have money and you have shoes, 
they are not going to buy because they don't even know it is actually need. Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need. They, they don't think they need that. Right. Uh, yeah. It's not a felt need. Yeah. And that's the challenge we had. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Mm. So knowing your market, I guess, would be mm. your advice there. Um, so do you think oh, there, there was another thing? Yeah. Uh, the hiring. Okay. What's the hiring uh, of the, of the staff because I hired a lot of managers and. And I was the, the chairperson, so at the board of the, the president, the chairperson of the board of directors mm-hmm. for, for all those years. And uh, one, one problem I had is, is trust. I was excited. So if you are Adventist, you can be a good manager. <laughs> 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 or, and the condition I remember in my interview, when I interviewed uh, those uh, uh, workers, uh, the staff members, say, what have you done in the church? I was an elder. I said, oh, wow, this is a good manager. <laughs> and I hired him. Yeah. You had to either have worked with pathfinders or, you know, things like that, or head of a department. And and that was one of the main, uh, uh, most important criteria. Uh-huh. And guess what? <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> was, no, it didn't work. You need professionalism. Oh, man. You need skills. Hmm. And uh, by the way, interestingly, even integrity sometimes has nothing to do with the fact that you have been a deacon somewhere wow. when it sad. comes to money. Oh, okay. uh, so, yeah, so skills where, 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 where you know, we, we, we need to have ways to evaluate skills as well. Right now, the institution is stable. It's doing much better. But at the beginning, you see, we're learning trial and, and trial error. And error, yeah. error. Wow. Wow, that's so fascinating. Hiring was was because <laughs> a lot of uh, as a pastor, as a preacher, you just needed to recite one chapter of the Bible anyway, <laughs> which was wrong. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So now that you're here um, at Weimar, uh, you've started also a master's program. I understand, and it's going to be going pretty soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think you could give an update? What's going on with that? Yeah, we, we, we have a very uh, interesting master's program in, in biblical missions and wellness. It's a program that is going to combine elements of, of, of applied theology and elements of, of health principles mm-hmm. to, to be able to help the church in North America to revitalize and to grow and, in fact, to be able to plant new churches. We are excited about this, and we're looking forward to to having as many students as possible. Uh, the the way it's conceived is that we we are planning to have students on campus just for a while. Actually, initially we thought it was going to be one semester, but then we realized that oh, if we take it one semester, it's going to be a challenge because we actually we we wanted them to be there on fall, and then uh, after one semester, join the the a local church. Uh, we, we are having an MOU with Michigan Conference and probably other conferences will come in as well uh, so that they will actually take our interns and, and use them in the churches so that uh, they will stay in that particular church uh, and they will go two by twos and stay in that church for about 14 months. And during okay. those 14 months, they have to grow up a church, a church that is declining, help them with all the skills they learned, the, the, the theories, and, and put them in practice. We're not abandoning them. We're not throwing them into the sea and say, you swim or sink. That's not what you're saying. We are actually telling them, you go, and we are there with you. Okay. And we have appointed uh, uh, supervisors, coordinators of the internship, 
uh, people who are experienced, some of them have been presidents of, of the conferences, they have been working with the church and they know what it is about uh, uh, growing up a church actually. So, uh, and they will work with them hand, uh, uh, closely so that uh, they can manage. And this, we are excited about it again. So if somebody has a passion for the church in North America, in Europe, and in Australia, in, in New Zealand, uh, wherever he can come from, we'll be very happy to, to have awesome. them. And so, so the program has a, a very heavy emphasis on practical. It's on actually practical. practical. It's, yeah. it's, by the way, there are things that probably are not emphasized elsewhere. We are talking about faith. Huh. We are talking about prayer. We, we are planning to, to, to have a kind of a seminar, actually. We will go to East Coast, where the Seventh-day Adventist Church started. Oh, yeah. and, 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 and have time and, and pray about it and, and think about the challenges that are ahead of us. The challenges that we have in North America nowadays are more serious than the challenges that our pioneers had. Hmm. And, and so if they manage to, to, to bring the church all the way up to the level it is right now, how much more we can actually walk, uh, do more if we, we fully get involved in, in this business of church uh, growth and church planting. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We would like to thank today's guests for sharing their story, as well as our team of business students who made this podcast a reality. I am Gabriel Harrison, and I'll see you next time for another adventure.